Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host... Eric Skwarzynski. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Preacher Boys podcast. Today's episode is going to be somewhat of a mashup episode. I'm going to take some appearances I've done on three different podcasts and use them to illustrate three crucial breaking points in my own personal journey. The first one comes from my interview on the Church Split podcast hosted by Will Hess. In that interview, he asked about me and what my initial breaking point was when it came to realizing that abuse was such a problem within independent fundamental Baptist churches. I talk about the moment that my safe religious bubble really burst for the first time and what the circumstances were surrounding that, how I moved forward, and how that really transformed my outlook on life. Next is from my appearance on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast uh, with JC, Nathan, and Brian over there. And in that clip, you're going to hear me really talk about my spiritual breaking point when I realized that the theology of the Independent Fundamental Baptist movement was not just quirky or strange, but it played a pivotal role in so much of the abuse and cover-ups that I had seen. Uh, You're going to really want to listen in to that section of the podcast And last but not least, I'm going to play a clip from my appearance on the 26 Letters podcast hosted by Dave and Sam Velasquez. In that clip, I'm going to talk about my breaking point that led me to starting the Preacher Boys podcast, getting my button gear, and getting the show on the road. I really hope you guys appreciate this episode. It's a little bit different, but I thought it would be a great opportunity for you to sample some of these other podcasts. Uh, Definitely consider giving them a listen and letting them know you heard about them here on the Preacher Boys podcast. But without further ado, 
Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So, Eric, uh, you do this whole Preacher Boys podcast, and you you talk a lot about uh, uh, the abuse in the IFB, which for those of our listeners who don't know what that is yet, that's Independent Fundamental Baptist. And so you talk a lot about that. You also have other guests on, uh, different authors, and it looks like you got some cool shows lined up here soon I'm excited about. So anyway, uh, what about you? Who are you? If uh, Where did you come from? What was your background? And how did you come here? <laughs> yeah, no, I grew up in uh, Southern California. And, um, you know, my parents were staff at a Christian school. So I, I spent literally seven days a week on a church property, just an L-shaped building in the middle of Banning, California, which if people don't know where that is, it's about 15 minutes from Palm Springs. Um, I grew up kind of dead, you know, dead center in between Big Bear on one side, Idlewild up here, and then just desert. Um, and so, yeah, I, I grew up there. Um, you know, really, all my memories are in the Independent Baptist movement. Uh, it was a, it was a less restrictive church than maybe a lot of the shows that I do. A lot of the the topics I cover, um, but it definitely still had its its own little quirks and things like that. Um, but my, my family was really great. Like I, I told someone at idea day, like my family always taught me to think for myself. They always said, don't believe something because we believe it. Um, you know, we want you to understand why my, my dad's even said, he said that the hardest thing about raising me was that I always questioned everything, but he said <laughs> that was his favorite thing about me is that I never just took things at face value. Um, and, and my brother for, you know, had the opposite personality where he was very much like, okay, you told me now I'm going to do it, you know? And so there's, there's good and bad about both of those personalities. Um, cause sometimes you just need to <laughs> do what you're told. But, um, but I was always that personality of why do we do this? That seems dumb, you know, explain this to me cause I don't understand it. And, uh, I was really thankful. My parents gave me room to do that within reason. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to follow the rules that you've got in front of you. But for the most part, they were always open for conversation, dialogue, and uh, yeah, I was really happy, grew up in it. I mean, all my good memories are in that world. All my bad memories are. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't have a a moment where I questioned the movement itself until I was probably 16 or 17. Um, and I, I was starting to notice a couple things. Like one was there was a, a crazy push for me to follow this kind of pre-planned map for my life. So it was go to Bible college, you know, take this step, do this. And so that graded against me. But what really burst the bubble was there was a um, there was a youth pastor out of Chico, California, who had basically molested a, a 15-year-old girl at his church. And his dad wow. basically moved him to our church and uh, just shuffled him over, uh, told our pastor that, you know, they had a ministry dif- disagreement, and that was why he was moving him. Oh, wow. Um, you know, he took over sixth grade Sunday school. He started leading music. Um, he literally, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Uh, he literally would sing specials and the song he always sang was he touched me. And I, and oh, I, no. <laughs> it, I swear what? to you, that was, that was the, that was the case. And so when I, when I was uh, trying to figure out why he had moved down, I just Googled his name and the first three or four articles showed me who he was, what had happened. Um, you know, I had already known him previously, but but seeing that told me why he had come to the church. And it just kind of shook me and said, like, oh, this can happen within my safe movement. Like, we're the righteous city on a hill, but we've got this problem now. And uh, long story short, that sent me down a big rabbit trail, like looking up, who's Jack Hiles? <laughs> who's Jack Scott? Who's this person? And I started realizing it wasn't an anomaly. It seemed to be 
that uh, a church where this didn't happen was the anomaly in the movement. One of the things you're not able to do on your podcast, or maybe just by the nature of your podcast, you have chosen not to talk a whole lot about yourself or about your own experiences, but the way we've set our podcast up, we have we have leaned really heavily into stories. And so I was wondering if you'd be willing to share us a little bit about your spiritual journey. You dropped a little hint, and I'm going to ask you about that in a minute on your last episode or one of the last few episodes. But I was wondering if you could kind of share a little bit about your story as far as just your spiritual journey. Right. Well, and and just to explain for anyone who's listening to this and is thinking, you know, why is he not sharing? And and the, I've had some people reach out and ask, why don't you talk about your spiritual side or, or things like this? And the Preacher Boys podcast, and for people I'm sure will tune into it after listening to this, the goal was to have a platform where anybody from any background could have a f- safe space to talk about abuse. And and the goal is really to give victims an opportunity to to share, which most of them haven't. And it's to give people who aren't victims an opportunity to understand the process of abuse and how it happens. Yeah. And I think you've um, done a real good job of communicating that. And I think that's a wise I, approach. I appreciate that. Um, but since we're on the recovering fundamentalist, I will share my, my background. So, um, I did grow up in a tamer version of fundamentalism. It was mainly ministries that we were partnered with, or we would spend time with at youth conferences or things like that, where I saw the crazy kind of come out a little bit. Um, and so like we had the normal stuff that, you know, dress standards, the, you don't listen to music with a beat kind of thing like that, that kind of conversation. Um, you don't go to movie theaters and, and so on. Um, and we also, from a spiritual side, we had a lot of the, um, you want to please God, you want to give God your best. Um, those kind of phrases were very common. Um, especially, um, it's, it's almost funny talking to my mom about it now because her experience in a lot of ways differed from mine being on the youth group side of like the messages we heard were very much like, if you listen to this type of music, it doesn't please God. If you dress a certain way, it doesn't please God. If you're not involved in enough ministries, it doesn't please God. Do you want God to look at you and be happy or be angry and just very toxic theology, and essentially my view, my view of God getting ready to graduate and go to Bible college was there's nothing I can do, which is almost halfway there to the gospel message. There's nothing I can do that's going to please this guy. Yeah. And so why am I slaving away mm-hmm. and for, and for what reason? And mm-hmm. um, I, I can't tell you how many evangelists would come in. My, my pastor never said this, but guest speakers would come in and they would speak freely like this is they would say things like, even if you're not sure God's real, or even if you don't know about the Christian message in its entirety, don't you want to just ask Jesus in your heart so you have that fire insurance? Because the worst thing that could happen is you die without it and you're going to go to hell. So at least get that fire insurance and then find out more. And it was kind of my thought process. Like I wouldn't have verbalized it this way, but I was like, well, I have my fire insurance. I have the date, you know, my Bible and I'm good to go. Um, so why do I need to waste time in Bible college and all these things? So my plan was to go to Bible college for one year, move somewhere else in the country, do my media stuff I wanted to do. And then like, hopefully no one asked me about church. Um, not going to Bible college, at least at West coast was probably the smartest thing. And I say it's sovereign that God didn't allow me to go because I would have, I think that would have put a final nail in the casket as far as like pushing me out of Christianity as a whole. 
Um, but I ended up going to the church in, in Fresno that was connected to the media ministry I was working at. Um, the pastor there, um, I'll name drop him. I don't, you know, I don't know if he expects advertisements on all these shows, but I name dropped him on mine. So we'll see. But um, his name's Joshua Ermler. And um, he was, he was kind of on a path as well, rediscovering kind of what you guys are doing. It was, it was, what is the gospel? What is, what is our job as Christians? What's our responsibility? What is, what's the standard and what's, what's actual theology. Mm-hmm. And so he, he very heavily drove, like I attended the church. So that was part of my job. Like I worked there. So I went, but I, I wasn't at a place where I really wanted to talk about that. And he just created an atmosphere where like, that's what everyone talked about was it wasn't like, it wasn't the way it used to be for me growing up where it was like, Oh, I want to impress them with how many verses I know, or this knowledge that I have. It was the, the lifeblood of the church was what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And I, it's funny. Cause I would go through these ebb and flows of being like, I know what the gospel is. It's Jesus died for our sins. Realize you're a sinner and accept him in your heart. That's the gospel. Okay, done. And he was like, no, you realize the gospel is for believers too. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the first time I'd ever really heard that explained that way. And so um, between him and between me starting to get, I I became a voracious reader. Um, It started actually, funnily enough, um, with Mark Driscoll. Um, I was the prime demographic for Mark Driscoll at the time. Me too. Um, Yeah. And so- Not me. (laughs) So so listening to Mark Driscoll though, and I just found him by chance. I looked up something my pastor had said, and I looked him up, I looked it up. I found Mark Driscoll- um, he seemed, I was like, man, he's so gracious compared to all the preachers that used to come into our church. <laughs> so it's, it's so funny now, but, um, but he would, he just was like, he had such a big view of God for, in his sermon. Yeah. And then he would reference people. And I was like, oh, he just referenced John Calvin. What does John Calvin say? So I was reading the little pamphlets from Ligonier with excerpts from Calvin. I was reading John MacArthur. I was reading, um, Timothy Keller. I was reading like all these different people. And, um, R.C. Sproul's holiness of God was like shattered my brain, like and yeah. and reading all these books and understanding all this time I'd been worried about location in the sense of, okay, what do I have to do to not go to hell? And that was what was preached was you don't want to go to hell. So follow Jesus. And the gospel really is understanding Christ's position as Lord mm-hmm. and our responsibility and our role as a created being to worship him. And so the location that we should be worried about is our proximity to our creator who gives us the ultimate way to live and gives us ultimate joy and peace and not, we want to be in heaven away from pain and suffering and struggle. And uh, John Piper actually uh, says, if you had everything you ever wanted, if all your family, if everyone you could ever be with was there in heaven and you could live there forever with them and God wasn't there would that be enough for you? Hmm. And, and that kind of questioning just really blew my mind of like, it's better to be with Jesus in the worst situation than to be walking on streets of gold without Jesus. Hmm. And that's the core gospel message is understanding the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the fact that there is no life outside of him. And so that is what kind of pushed me into going and saying like, I'm going to leave this. I want to start doing some, some of the missions work I was doing, um, and I, I was able, like, I just, it, for me, it was like the lights were on and it was like, how was I in church for 20 years and never understood the core mm. principle of Christianity, which is that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. 
Well, I can tell That's you this: beautiful. you and Nathan are going to be best friends because you said Piper, <laughs> Calvin, R.C. Sproul. <laughs> our, our stories are very similar, yeah. and I was also going to ask you, Eric: Are you sure you're not a preacher? Because <laughs> yeah. that was one of the most solid presentations of the gospel that I've heard in a long time. That was awesome. It's it's been a while. Unless you uh, just googled I... that, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, you know. Hold on. Let me shut off my teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> I love one thing that you brought out. Um, you know, you heavily emphasizing Jesus. I was. I was preaching a few days ago um, at a at a pastor's conference, and uh, my subject happened to be the gospel. And when you limit the gospel to the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and you miss the fact that Jesus is the gospel, mm. the entirety of his life, um, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, his soon return, and then, as you said, um, the fact that our lives, our marriages, our our work ethic, our worship on a daily basis, everything is in correlation with who he is, uh, that in all things Christ might have the preeminence, Colossians uh, chapter 1 would say. I love the fact that uh, you emphasized that the gospel truly is Jesus and a full understanding of who he is as Lord and that we bow all that we are bowing to all that he is. Mm. I love that. And it's it's so funny, too, and and it's well i guess sad is a better word is that i remember so many i just remember so many times like when we would have special events for sundays and it was like we're gonna have a lot of visitors so we're really gonna hit the gospel hard Mm. on and it was it's looking back now and and looking at scale at the amount of the amount of i mean you guys have covered some of it on the show like just the amount of trauma abuse of power abuse of people within the church it's because the gospel was not preached every sunday I, I was working marketing. I was kind of like pretty much at that point, I was like, man, I'm done with this. This is like a chapter that's all closed. And I, I haven't heard any crazy stories lately, all this good stuff. And then around 2019 um, or in 2019, uh, Cameron Giovanelli happened and uh, the Sarah Jackson story broke. People can Google that. Um, and I was like, this is crazy. And the reason I found out was because I saw Stacy Shivlet's video and I was like, oh, an IFB pastor is actually calling this out. And in my mind, it put to rest all of the things of like, oh, I need to do a documentary. I need to do this. I need to do that. All the stuff my wife was like, do it or just stop talking about it. And um, I was like, this is great. This is going to open the floodgates. It's coming from within. This problem is going to be solved. Like all these pastors are going to rally around because one guy stood up and did this and um, that didn't happen. Um, what happened was Stacy got attacked by a lot of people. Um, people were, you know, writing blog articles, attacking him, attacking the victim, uh, attacking Sarah, you know, bashing her, you know, and then, uh, pastors were literally fundraising after Cameron pled guilty. Pastors were sending out on church letterhead, you know, let's raise funds for Cameron, pay for his legal fees, pray for Cameron, you know, all this crazy stuff. And I went to my car. I got really, you know, I, I was really emotional about it. I, I, I was just like, for me, it was like nothing's changed. And so I got in the car and I called out a couple organizations, one of which I had just worked with a few months before and realized that they had been supporting him. And I just said, if your church supports this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, cut ties with them immediately. They support pedophiles. Mm-hmm. And then two nights later, I was like, okay, I'm going to cut together a little proof of concept for the documentary, put that out that blew up. And I was like, there's way too much here for me to do in a documentary. So let's start a podcast. And here we are. And 
we're already 30 minutes in and I, I just got to the podcast. So sorry for my, uh, <laughs> my long answers, but there's a lot of context to, to all this. Right. And, and for me, and we talk about like uh, Sam and I talk about this all the time, but like context is so important for our stories and then for our environments. We don't live in a vacuum. You know, we didn't just boom, get here. And so the context of these things um, really matter. Um, well, because without context, then, you know, people can look at you or look at us differently and be like, well, you're just bitter and angry. Yeah. But there's so much backstory to something. And we thought like, you know, the whole premise of this, well, you didn't just wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to start this podcast. And yeah. so, you know, there was, there was a lot to go into that. And we kind of wanted to dig hard and get into it. But um, you've talked a lot about through all of this, I don't know if there's any other stories in particular you want to highlight that have something to do with your story. Um, but how did you go from hearing all of these things about abuse? Um, and like you said, not leaving Big C, not leaving church or God as a whole, um, and still having some some type of hope to hold on to. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it was a, and I think I think honestly, like studying, um, like getting into the faith side. I think studying theology for myself really just showed me how dependent I was on the information I was getting from the pulpit in in the church, small C. And uh, one one thing I identified pretty early on uh, in that journey was, and actually it was Josh Armway. I think it was Josh that told me this. Um, but he said the problem most people have, and the reason most people leave church frustrated, is because they're depending on the pastor to make up for all the things that they're supposed to be doing on their own. And so, um, I think a lot of times we see like, what does the pastor have for us this morning? And the truth is, there may be entire sermon series that aren't going to have anything to do. Obviously, you can learn something, right. but that aren't going to be directed at you. And Again, if you're not having this personal relationship with God, you're not going to fill in that void in a 45 minute or 30 minute or hour service. Um, and so for me, I think it was, you know, I saw a discrepancy between and just church in general, like just theology and practice. I saw such a discrepancy between what I was reading personally and what I was seeing in most churches. And the same happens when it comes to abuse and the way that abuse was dealt with. So I'm reading verses that say, have no part in evil works of darkness, but rather expose them. And then I was looking and seeing cover up. And so, um, or, you know, uh, a leader must be blameless and above reproach, but then leaders would not be blameless and above reproach. Or, um, you know, you've been not given, given a spirit of fear. You're not, you're not in bondage, but then my whole thing was I was scared if God was mad at me and I was worried that I was in bondage to the, the law. And so um, for me, it became easy to separate the two because I didn't feel that the church, and honestly, much of Big C, the church, was in alignment with you know the Bible and who, who Christ was. And um, I think for me, I just kind of separate the two in my mind of like, you know, even if I'm struggling, and I still, I struggle with a lot of churches to find churches that are truly like what Christ I think intended for people. Um, but I, I think by knowing like being secure in who God is, being secure in what the gospel is, being secure in the sovereignty of God, um, that allowed me to keep my faith, even if my faith in institutions and men and stuff was pretty shattered and it still is shattered. And, uh, based on the conversations I have, I don't think it's going to be improved anytime soon. Uh, my faith in, in actual institutions and people, but yeah, I, I think just knowing like God, the God of the Bible is so clearly not 
the God that would allow the abuses that happen within churches. And, and I think that's why I, I don't find myself at odds with like the Christian faith and what I do with the podcast. I, I feel like actually it's pretty in alignment with what scripture commands us to do. That's, oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, cause I was, I was, we were listening to, uh, we, we went on a trip and on the, our way back home, we were listening to your episode with um, Robbie Watch or Robbie Scam. Um, oh, yeah. And I mean, just, really blew my mind and you know i just it, it it makes me sad i guess that moving forward it seems that if i start to admire someone or look up to them you know the next question in my head is okay what are they hiding or yeah. what's going on or even more what what is the system that they're a part of and where else what other connections are there and so uh which i appreciate by the way you you hosting that episode and um Uh, really, really insightful. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.